0: Welcome. I'm Leah. And I'm Bree. We're your hosts. You've just joined a meeting of the Fang Club, dude. We're here to talk about the scary, sexy, and sometimes silly vampire films of the 21st century.
1: So before we dive in, here's the single spoiler alert for the film we're discussing in this episode. Uh, So if you haven't seen The Little Vampire from the year 2000, maybe you should go watch it. I don't think... It's one that people have seen before too terribly often. It's not like a small movie by any means, but it is like more relatively unknown than some of the ones we've talked about. So maybe you go watch it first before the episode.
0: <laughs> I think if you were a kid when it came out, I think it has a nostalgic favorite for people who were the right age when it came out. If you weren't the right age when it came out, you probably never saw it. Is that that's pro. That's kind of my. But it holds
1: to it. up. So go watch it, damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I did want to just do a quick thank you to all of our supporters on our Kofi. We have a couple monthly supporters, which is great. We've had a few people do one-off donations, which is wonderful, and we really appreciate it. And we thank you for your support. Uh, we also wanted to thank everybody who's been listening week to week.
1: Yeah, definitely. Very. Very happy
0: that you guys seem to be liking this as much as we like making it. Yeah, we love making it. So if you have been enjoying the podcast, it is really helpful if you rate us on Apple Podcasts. That does help our visibility in the search results. So when people search for vampire movie or when they search for specific movies, then our episodes will come up. So if you have been enjoying the podcast, it's super helpful if you can rate us.
1: All right. So let's get into this. I just want to say I've been looking forward to this episode for months, because I guess it's, it wasn't hard to tell from the intro, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it was Little Bree's absolute favorite movie. Uh So very, very happy to be covering it in 2021. <laughs> Made my mom watch it with me again just for
0: the nostalgia. And she was just like, I remember this one. So this is one that it's my turn now to to pull the brie where I thought I had seen it, but I actually hadn't. So I uh, saw this movie for the first time today and it is delightful. I can confirm it's not just a nostalgia thing. It's very cute. I would recommend watching it. Just delightful. There's no other word for it. I know that our uh, listeners
1: probably aren't expecting this, you know, from the Fang Club and all. And this is a, clearly a kid's movie. But I would say this is my perfect vampire movie. Honestly, it's it's my perfect movie, really. Like, if you could put this movie, like, into an algorithm where it would just make other movies that were like this, I would love them all. <laughs> <laughs> it has everything that I need in it. I think the pacing is perfect the cast is perfection, the storyline is wholesome and perfect, and everything about it is just perfect to me. So
0: yeah, so The Little Vampire came out in 2000. It was directed by Uli Edel. And it is an example of uh, the family movie genre, I think is what it would we would call it. And as I was watching this film, I was really struck by the fact that they don't make family movies like this anymore. And then Brie had said something similar to me when we were, we were preparing our outline for the episode. And so what makes this a quote unquote family movie? Like what makes it representative of that genre?
1: I think the biggest thing for me is that something you don't see as often anymore, or really outside of like the mid to late 90s to the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, is that it's kind of targeted not specifically at children. It's just the, the story is just more palatable for younger minds, but it's still a fully developed, like, featured movie, fe- a featured film. There's still a very uh, sophisticated plot, and there's still an element of danger or... I don't really know how to put it into words, but it really is, it doesn't treat itself like a kid's movie.
0: I think one way to put it maybe is it's not dumbed down, that it's appropriate for kids, but it doesn't talk down to kids, or it's not so stupid that an adult can't enjoy it. So, And it takes itself
1: seriously as a movie, whereas I think a lot of movies made for kids, like not only are they dumbed down, because people think children can't, taken anything that isn't super basic which is not true but also that everything about it was made in the same way that it would have been made for an adult movie like it wasn't and no corners were cut or acting
0: was still done in the same way you know yeah and I think also something that I just thought of as you were talking is most kids movies now are comedies and they're silly and there are very few kind of child appropriate dramas or light dramas like this movie is it has jokes it's funny it's light-hearted but it's I wouldn't categorize it as a comedy necessarily and they really don't make family or kids movies like that where it's just kind of light drama with some jokes like most kids movies are really silly nowadays I feel like
1: and also we just haven't had a lot of kids movies come out that aren't animated mm-hmm. in the last couple years. I think that's also something that was uh, done more often or um, just even more normal to have live action movies made for children or just, be- I th- i think it's just, i I don't know. I don't want to sound like pretentious, but like, they're not, they don't take kids' movies seriously, you know? Like, it's just, it's kind of, like, a cast-off, like, toss-away thing. Like, oh, we'll just put in some laughs and some half-assed animation
0: and they'll be happy, you know? (laughs) I also think that the family movie is kind of, you mentioned that it really had its heyday in the 90s, which I agree with, and I think it's kind of considered a sort of passé genre. Like, the last film I can think of that would even qualify that I saw, uh, or can... Kind of recall off the top of my head would be a movie we've brought up on this podcast before which is um, joe cornish's the kid who would be king and that movie flopped no one saw it (laughs) no one cared and it was so sad because part of the reason i loved that movie is a it's just great and b it's very much this kind of live action family movie that we're describing right now that doesn't really get made anymore and it felt like a a warm and fuzzy throwback uh just because just by virtue of a genre
1: and another thing really for anything targeted at children nowadays if it can't be marketed and made into kind of like a franchise toy or kind anything that they can't just like push out product for it it doesn't get made you know hence why disney has thrived <laughs> in the recent years you know and I mean things like this where it's just a one off cute nice story that doesn't last longer than how
0: long is this runtime even? I think it's like ninety minutes.
1: Yeah, it's it's not longer than ninety minutes and you really couldn't kind of make merchandise for this, you know. It wouldn't be something that would make money off like after just initial release. So mm-hmm. I think that kids are kind of just treated as, as money grab consumers right? consumers yeah
0: so that sounds cynical but i think you're right on
1: (laughs) i mean i don't want it to be true like i think that more movies like this should be made because they are just so enjoyable and digestible for kids and adults and not everything has to be super serious or has to make millions in the box office you know but
0: so this is Definitely, I would say a a family movie, a very solid kids movie of the type that we don't see much anymore. Uh, But it's also a vampire movie. Duh. Because it's on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Duh. Duh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) If we start thinking too hard about the scenes between Rudolph and Tony, I will start crying.
0: So we cannot. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so wholesome and cute. So, yeah, it's also a fun vampire movie. And so what type of vampires are in this film? So we have some, um, Ooh,
1: oh, I haven't gotten to say this in a while, but new vampire type unlocked <laughs> for the podcast. These vampires want to be human. It's their their goal to get this medallion back. So during this one specific time of the year, they can have this ceremony and make a wish to be human again. And so Tony is the human helper of Rudolph, the son in this vampire family that the movie is centered around. And he helps him to retrieve the medallion, which has been lost through time. And Tony's having visions about it because dun 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 it's in his is his home in his floorboards that's that's where the medallion is so that's why he's been so connected to the family and tony is
0: american he and his mom and dad have moved to scotland from america so they're in this new place and living in a castle yeah tony is struggling to fit in because he is obsessed with vampires because he's having these dreams about vampires because the medallion is speaking to him and so he is adorable. He's played by Jonathan Lipnicki, who, if you were a kid in the aughts, like in the early aughts, late 90s, you definitely saw a movie with him in it. He was also in Stuart Little. He's like the cutest kid ever. He's also in Jerry Maguire, but I didn't see that till I was an adult. But he's just like the cutest kid. So he's like this adorable vampire obsessed kid. And I feel like Bree and I both really identified with him on a very deep pure level
1: there's a scene where tony has cut these giant fangs out of paper and stuck them in his mouth and he has a cape like a magician's cape on and he puts ketchup on his mouth and he like tries to scare the babysitter and i had to wait until we were recording to tell leah that i had reenacted the scene A lot as a
0: kid. Oh my god, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) And so seeing it again as an adult, I was it was I was a little choked up because I remember doing that as a kid. I remember cutting the little fangs out and like putting the ketchup on my face and running after my brother and my mom. That is so
0: cute. Oh (laughs) my god. (laughs) That is adorable. Thank you for sharing. That's so cute.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a lot of me watching this movie was just kind of a trip down memory lane because I I used to snuggle up with my blankie and just watch it like every week when I was a little kid. So
0: It definitely, when I was watching it, you had told me that it was one of your favorite movies when you were a kid. And as I was watching it, I was like, I can totally see, I can totally see that this movie really fits Brie. Even what I know of you as an adult, like it just fits you. It's, it's a very Brie movie.
1: I think it it helped to shape my sense of humor too, <laughs> because i st- I still think it's funny as shit. Like, there's some good gags. Yeah, and and it's also really funny to kind of notice things about it that I hadn't noticed as a kid. Like we were we were talking about the really funny moments between the parents, the two parents of Tony, and then the parents of Rudolph. <laughs> who have, like, kind of a weird swingers thing happening that I was not aware of as a kid. But they come to the door, the vampire parents come to the door to to basically to hypnotize the parents into giving them a ride to the cliffs because the father <laughs> can't fly. <laughs> and... They walk in and they're just like looking like with their heads all like tilted and their eyes big and batting their eyelashes at the, the parents and the dad and the mom. They're just eating it up. They're just like, oh, we are going to come with you. Like, that sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, after they're human and you're like, OK, well, that was just like a hypnosis thing. Right. But then the two parents see the other the vampire parents who are now human like across the little marketplace and they're they're making eyes at each other again
0: yeah <laughs> the mom gets kind of flustered she kind of adjusts her, yeah, adjusts like, her, yeah. her sweater and is like oh mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and they like walk forward like they're about to like go yeah, to the go are I'm just move. like a uh-huh. move. what mm-hmm. and i'm just saying i i think we were we were kind of uh jilted of that movie <laughs> we were i i want <laughs> I want I want the the part 2 <laughs> about the swinging parents. I want the aristocrats adjust the vampire former vampire aristocrats adjusting to 90s 2000s life. <laughs> also, this is completely not following what we had talked about, but I just have to get it out before I forget again. I'm a little all over the place in this episode. You'll have to forgive me. A lot of feelings are popping up. (laughs) But Jonathan Lipnicki and Rolo Weeks, who play um, Tony and Rudolph respectively, they are both still very cute adults.
0: I haven't... Have you seen Jonathan Lipnicki as an adult? Because I don't think I have. I googled
1: him. I googled him. And he is actually kind of charming he's still he's still cute that's you know very
0: unusual for child actors because sometimes they're cute as kids and they grow up and you're like ooh, it's not always a nicholas holt situation where it turns out well
1: yeah and neither of them look like drug addicts or alcoholics you know and i'm just like i mean not to say that they aren't you know appearances
0: <laughs> aren't everything
1: but <laughs> i'm just i'm proud of these little child stars they they
0: grew up well it seems that's good that's encouraging <laughs> Well, I know. I feel like Jonathan the Mickey kind of disappeared after he got into adolescence. So I wonder if he just quit acting. Or
1: I know that Rolo Weeks did. He is like a businessman. Now. Oh, so he doesn't act he... at all. Mm-mm, he hasn't acted since, uh, I believe, the early two thousands.
0: Yeah, I don't blame. I don't blame them. I feel like being a child star would be so. Strange, it would mess with your head to be that famous that young.
1: And kids can't choose that life that early, you know, they don't know what they're getting into. So that's clearly like a parent guided decision to be a child star, like in movies. So I, you definitely, they probably didn't even like acting, you know, like, what if they just did it? Because, well, I do know that Jonathan Litnicki has some projects coming up, actually, because I did look him up. Okay, so he's dipping his toe back in. So he's still acting, so maybe he decided that he liked it, but I'm pretty sure Rolo Weeks was like, nah, not for me. (laughs) Which is tragic, because Rudolph is the most adorable boy that I've ever seen as a kid. I was like, I want to be him, and I want to date him, both. (laughs) He
0: is very cute, and I think this is our opening to talk about his perfect little outfit. (laughs) Words cannot describe you guys have to go see this movie, if not just for Rudolph's little outfit. <laughs> so all of the vampires, the whole vampire family, because there's really only the only vampires that are really shown in the film are Rudolph's family. That's just this one family living in the Scottish village. There are other vampires, I'm sure, but we don't see them.
1: Well, some of them do show up towards the end, but they look identical to the family. So I think <laughs> this kind of goes to they're they're just saying this is how all vampires
0: look i think (laughs) and so this this vampire family they all they must have been human during the english renaissance because they're all dressed in i i think the way that i would put it is ratty shakespearean chic they're in like these these english renaissance outfits that look like they've been worn for centuries (laughs) And it's a, it's a fabulous look. I wouldn't change it. It's perfect. They all look dusty. Yeah, they look like they've been buried underground. The best way. Yeah. <laughs> the the costume design for these vampires is perfect, and uh, it's how a child would
1: imagine kind of someone who lives forever looking. You know, because as a as a kid, whenever I thought about someone not dying ever and like living forever, like the concept of a vampire, I've always like. In my head I was just like, so they're gonna look old fashioned and they're gonna look kind of like moldy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of
0: moldy. <laughs> kind of moldy. <laughs>
1: That's
0: yes, they look moldy. That's perfect.
1: <laughs> but hey, I love me some mold. Cheese is great, you know? <laughs> so I'm not I'm not saying that in a bad way. I am a thousand percent into the outfits and the costume design i think it's perfect
0: and they have some great hair too the mother uh, of this vampire family has a very queen elizabeth kind of hairstyle where she's got like red curly hair and it's like the big heart poofs it also is a bit reminiscent of the bram stoker's dracula hair that, <laughs> that gary oldman has <laughs> Uh, but it's great and then
1: the dad has like sweeney todd hair like it's like swooshed back black with the gray white strip down the middle
0: <laughs> so the the dad is played by richard e grant and he is excellent in this film he's giving everything he's got plus a little extra it's fantastic
1: he gets all up in jonathan lipnicki's face and is like i'm a monster and i'm I am there for it because he's not—he's a big soft teddy bear.
0: <laughs> but he has the—I was an aristocrat five hundred years ago—condescension down, Pat.
1: I'm your dad, so what I say goes. But I don't <laughs> really have any logic behind what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, the patriarch attitude. Uh huh. So also in the family, uh, we have Rudolph, of course, and then Rudolph has has two siblings. He has a sister, played by. What is her name? I don't actually know the actress's name. But it's the actress who played Susan in the Chronicles of Narnia movies. And I recognized her immediately because that was a film that I watched a ton as a kid. Her name is Anna Pop Pop Popplewell. Anna Popplewell. Okay, now I know her name. But so she plays Rudolph's sister, who is instantly in love with Tony. And it's very cute. She's precious. (laughs) Capital P. (laughs) She's in love with Tony in a very um in a very old fashioned way, right? So <laughs> she's like kind of obsessed with him, but she there's one point where she recites poetry that she wrote about him. <laughs> and no one's listening. Tony and Rudolph are like off adventuring and she's like,
1: Thou love is as sweet as a rose.
0: <laughs> Doesn't she actually like stand up on something? Like <laughs> Yeah, she stands up. <laughs> And recites it with her
1: little arms c- crossed, like, in front of her. And, and then um, she wants to give him a token of her affection. So she gives him a dead mouse wrapped in an old cloth. And she says, it's it's from the old country. It'll bring you luck.
0: <laughs> and he
1: holds on to the little mouse. And it ends up saving the day, you know. So it's useful, too. It's not just sentimental. And she tells him just to whistle and think of her and she'll know he's in trouble and she can come to him, which as a kid, I was like, this is the most romantic shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and the whistle is stylized in such a way that it has cemented itself into my brain. So when I heard it, it was like being transported back in time.
0: <laughs> it was like a sense
1: memory. Yeah, yeah, because it's not just, like, a like a whistle sound. It's, like, a very, like, specific, like, like almost musical, like, sound that y- no one just makes when yeah, they're whistling. Yeah, it's a certain note, know? and then they
0: kind of, it's um, given an echo effect, yeah. So it has, like, a, a stronger reverberation, yeah. hmm So then there is the final, the final member of the vampire family is Rudolph's brother, who... You can describe Rudolph's brother. He's, I think, he seems to be the outlier in the family. He's a little weird. But he's the most iconic looking, for sure. <laughs> yes. Talk
1: about hairstyles. It, it's supposed to be a punk style, I think. Or at least when he's turned human, it goes full punk. Like, he looks like he's just, like, dressed up as, like, a, like a punk kid. But in when he's a vampire, it's, like, a weird mix between that like dusty
0: aristocrat and punk yeah because his <laughs> and, outfit is kind of elizabethan but then his hair is full of hair gel and, and spiked well i mean so is rudolph's but in a different way they both look like their hair
1: looks feathery like feathers like it's spiked but it's so layered that
0: it looks like which is a feathers. very late 90s look i feel like.
1: yeah yeah and um To make matters even worse for the poor kid, he is also the only vampire in the whole movie that bites a human,
0: and he gets a little muzzle for it. In the film, the vampires only feed on cows. This family, Rudolph explains that vampires only feed on cows it's unclear if he's talking about his family specifically or all vampires or it could be a situation where rudolph thinks his family is all vampires so he talks about it you know very definitively but he doesn't know i don't know anyway the vampires in this film uh eat cows they don't feed on humans but the brother does bite someone and apparently yeah there's a scene where his mom puts a muzzle on him as punishment and i missed it it was kind of a blink and you miss it thing (laughs) and so you can find it if you google
1: little vampire brother muzzle (laughs) because that's what i just did before we recorded and i found a gif of it and it's perfect (laughs) it's it's so wacky, like it's out of nowhere. He just has a little. She had it ready, like the mom just, which makes you think, like, has this happened? Yeah, before? does he have a problem with this? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I kind of got the gist of like it, it. It's a they they feed on animals kind of thing, maybe specifically cows, just because they're in the Scottish countryside. But I don't know because it's also when you first are introduced to. Um, his little vampire family, Rudolph's vampire family, the dad is like super aggressive with Tony and is like trying to scare him. And I can't tell if that's like how vampires act with humans in general or if he's just scared of humans finding out about his family. So he's like overcompensating. But then, in the, when you do have like a little moment with the outside vampire clan that has come because of the amulet ringing in the sky. They surround the car where the two human parents are in, and they kind of like hiss and like like are like almost like ready to attack in them inside the car until the dad comes, and he's like, they're friends, it's fine, so it's like I don't know if that that's also just like a territory thing, like they're like humans are the enemy or if they actually like feed off of humans it's It's unclear,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think in true family movie fashion, the vampires are like a little bit scary. But not really that not scary. like too scary. Yeah, there are a few things that kind of hint at the vampires feeding on humans, but it never really goes there fully. It's just like there's a tiny, like the insinuation of that threat, but you know, no one's chomping on any- anyone's neck really. This is a this is a perfect segue
1: into the reason why I think it's one of the most perfect kids slash family movies ever. They get the balance of that, like, scary and, like, wholesome and just everything is so, so right. (laughs) And I think that's, like, exemplified ideally in the bad guy of the film, whose name is Rookery.
0: Yes. He's played by Jim Carter, who you will know if you've seen an episode of Downton Abbey. He's Carson on Downton Abbey. I don't know about you guys, but my parents are certifiably obsessed with Downton Abbey, and I enjoyed it. I enjoy it, too. But they might be the world's biggest Downton Abbey fans. If you're listening, Mom, don't be offended. It's just a fact. You guys are obsessed, and I love it. But You should be proud. <laughs> so, the biggest Downton Abbey fans. So I'm I'm well acquainted with Jim Carter because of Carson and Downton Abbey. So I I didn't realize he was in this film, and I he came up on screen and I was like, hey, it's Carson. It's a big 180 from that character. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh but he's Fantastic as the villain in this film. And so, elaborate, yes, why is Rookery the perfect kids movie villain? So, he looks
1: just intimidating enough, especially because he's tall and dressed in, like, a very impressive long coat. And he has a little earring, so he's, like, a little... A little
0: badass. Yeah, you know. and his, his jacket is leather with fringe, so he's like he's a little edgy, just a little bit though, not too far. <laughs> and he's also
1: kind of like the ideal age where he's not too old, but he's also not super young. So he's like, I think the the ideal age for the a kid to envision like a bad guy being, you know. <laughs> And, uh, I don't, maybe this is just me speaking as like a perpetual child and like I just had these thoughts and no one else did. But I really do think they were, they were onto something here because he is just intimidating enough, but he's not scary. And he also has like just enough of like a ruthlessness about him where you're worried about what he's going to do and you want him to be defeated. But he also never takes it too far because it's still a family movie, you know? So there's just kind of, like, the implication that he might do something bad, like kill the vampires eventually, or stop them from completing the ceremony and getting what they want. But also, he tries to, like, trap Tony in a tomb, and the tomb is just, like, like it's just, like, a standard, like stone tomb with like the lid that slides off and so he kind of pushes him in and has it almost completely closed but there's still a crack and so it's just like the the implication that something bad could happen if no one came for him
0: yeah you like you believe that rookery would leave tony in the tomb because he's like bad enough but he's not you know he's not shown doing anything too disturbing
1: and he's also goofy enough where he's entertaining to watch kind of like trample around and chase after the family and Tony. But he's also competent enough where you're worried that he might get the, like the leg up on them, you know, and you're still kind of like nervous about if he's going to actually succeed at stopping them the whole time. And they also, I feel like the, this kind of goes into just how well the movies paced, and that they give you that really good back and forth about like him making a little ground you know and and defeating them but then the kids will end up doing something but then it's not enough and then it goes back to him so <laughs> it's just like it's it doesn't just like hand you the nice neat plot of like he is defeated after this one thing but there's like kind of a struggle between the two sides
0: Yeah, which i think goes hand in hand with what you were saying about like he's competent enough to feel like a real threat but he's not so smart that there's no way a kid could could defeat him or outsmart him Uh, and one of the rookery's major advantages uh, is all of his a plus gear he has a few vampire hunting uh implements that he carries around that just tickled me i can't tell you i was taking my notes I think most of my notes is are just like things that delighted me. I just wrote down with an exclamation point. And so one of the things <laughs> one of the things I wrote down was UV cross with organ sound effects. Exclamation point <laughs> Which that is my, my favorite of his vampire hunting implements. But then he also has like what i can only describe as an oversized whoopee cushion that he throws out of a window that self-inflates so he can jump down from the second floor onto this inflatable cushion and not be harmed he has a wonderful truck that looks like a truck crossed with howl's moving castle like it's got all these things coming out of it (laughs) uv lights off the front including a morgue drawer (laughs) Amazing gear, What's I'm you- telling you. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> and uh, he also just like has all of these like very high tech things that are at the same time like old fashioned things. So like the UV cross still looks like like a, a cross that you'd see in a church, like a crucifix, and it's got right? like yeah, it's like a crucifix, but it's like the tacky UV with the cord that tony gets to unplug and then it defeats him because he has like no light because it gets unplugged and oh yeah and, and then um, he has
0: like an uh an air-powered like gun that shoots wooden stakes <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't
1: i just i just love this movie so much
0: but yeah we were talking about how he liked the the production design of this film. And I think all of Rickory's gear really falls under that umbrella of just imaginative. Um, and I like what you said. It's true that all of his gear is a really fun mix of high tech and low tech and old fashioned and kind of uh, more modern. And so it's, it's fun.
1: At one point he just throws down, it looks kind of like an underwater light, like you would have when you're like boating or something it's like encased in metal and it looks almost like a cage but it's a light and it has like chains on it and he just like throws it down the hole into like the underground crypt where the vampire family's staying and the light turns on and all the all the kids are like freaking out and the dad stands up with his cloak and he like shields the children from the light <laughs> A very heroic moment. Yeah, it's like
0: a fun imagining of what kind of weapon could you use against a vampire that's not super violent, but also has a very dramatic effect. But then also it's super easy to defeat. Tony just throws a rock at it and it breaks and then the day is saved. So again, it's that balance like we were talking about with Rickery himself, where it's fun and smart, but also not that hard to defeat. You're a little on the,
1: the fence about him being defeated, especially once the vampire cows. Yeah, I said vampire cows. They are a crucial part of the story because not only do they provide delightful comedic relief between scenes, but they also help Rudolph save Tony from Rookery's truck when they're driving towards the cliffs. And they they fly above the the truck and poop on the windshield so he can't see and he like wrecks the car into a blimp <laughs>
0: and and it's just it's so funny. <laughs> it's also worth noting that the vampire cows do have fangs and they're great.
1: <laughs> and there's the there is the implication that so. Here's here's how the I have to give the vampire cow origin. We can't just say vampire cow and not like explain anything because I feel like it's, it's just it's so funny. So Tony takes Rudolph to the nearby farm land where the cows are. And has him feed on the cow because he's trying to get away from Rookery and he's hurt when he was in bat form. So he needs to regain his strength before he can leave. And so he's like, do you know where any cows are? And Tony's like, yeah, I got you, dude. I'm going to take you to some cows. And so he feeds off of one, one cow. And then... There is the owner of the farm that comes to check on his cows and he notices that one cow is missing in the herd. So he goes to open the barn and there's the cow that's like hiding in the back corner. And when the door opens and the light shines on it, (laughs) it moves and then runs to the other corner of the barn. And then when the door shuts, you see the eyes reflect red and you're like, is that a vampire (laughs) cow? And then the next day there's two. And Tony hasn't taken Rudolph back, so I am almost positive this means that the one cow chose the other cow to turn, and it bit <laughs> that cow and turned him into a vampire. The vampire <laughs> cows are
0: turning each other.
1: <laughs> because they're like, hey, uh, I got this sick new power. You want it? You want in on my coven? You're my are starting cow the coven?
0: revolution. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, y'all are gonna be
1: vegetarians. <laughs> See another side movie that would be delightful, Attack of the Vampire Cows. Where's it at? <laughs> so another another element of this story or of this movie that makes me very happy and is kind of unusual for this type of movie in general or just any movie that's kind of aimed at children, is that the parents aren't made out to be, like, useless idiots. (laughs) It's very refreshing, yeah. And I'm not saying this as someone who's like, parents are good and we should always be depicted as, like, upstanding moral characters. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I loved Rugrats. I liked the dumbass mom and dad and that, you know? I just think that it's nice to have a good balance, especially if, kind of you know, entertainment and media is is what gives kids their idea of how the world works, especially nowadays. So when you have everything that's like, parents are dumb, and they don't know anything. And if you have any kind of trouble, don't confide in them. It's also kind of nice to have something like this, where it's like, they might not be the smartest, <laughs> or they might not believe you at first, especially if it's something like vampires. But When it really counts they'll be there for you
0: (laughs) yeah tony's parents are very supportive of him they don't really believe his vampire stuff they're like you're nine years old and you're fanciful and whatever vampires aren't real but as soon as they realize like what's up once they have proof of the vampires and they know what's going on then they kind of get in on on the they get in on it and they help save the day at the end and they... Yeah, props
1: to both of them for knowing nothing about the vampire family and just being there in this weird ceremony, having zero clue what's going on. They see their son fly in <laughs> on the arm of another child vampire, and they're just like so confused. And then this cre- crazy-ass brookery dude shows up on a blimp trying to take him down, and the dad's
0: first thought is, you know, I'm going to sucker punch that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... I respect him. <laughs> I also appreciated that the mom got to get a punch in too. It was equal opportunity punching.
1: Yeah. And the mom is like, honestly, so cool in this movie. I always thought she was neat because in the beginning when she, she has this like beautiful gown on because she's at a fancy event with her husband for, I don't even remember what he is. He's some kind of like, he's like a Scottish golf course. Developer. No, no, no. The, the, boss of the dad he's like he has like a fancy family oh yeah he's he's just
0: some sort of lord i think like some sort of scottish nobleman
1: and so he's he's housing this like crazy elaborate party and he's the boss of the dad so they go and she's in this gorgeous sparkling black gown and it's very hot it is very hot and the um Like, the Lord Dude shows up and starts bragging on his grandkids who are, like, stupid as hell, and they're bullying Tony the whole time. And they're, like, giving them, like, that, you know, that, the smarmy little grins, like, they're just innocent. The full Eddie Haskell... Yeah, yeah, and and the grandfather's just eating it up, and he's just like, "My sweet little angels," and the mom's just like, "I need a drink," and she just walks away, <laughs> and I'm just like, right "Yeah," she's like, "Don't buy into that. Like, believe your son. He said that they were mean to him, you know." And um, you know, she just has that energy throughout the film. Like every time the dad starts to get a little down on Tony, the mom's like, "Hey, he's our son, and he's great." And I love that.
0: <laughs> she's very, she's a very good mom and she's very supportive. And it, I agree with you that I liked the way that the film treated Tony's parents. Because, yeah, I can't think of another film off the top of my head where the parents are really portrayed in such a positive and supportive and um, where they actually play a role in the plot in a meaningful yeah, way. Yeah,
1: they actually matter. Right. they're They're not just kind of like in the background because that's another thing that um I thought was really it's a nice balance because there is that focus on Rudolph's parents and how they're both the vampires and and we mentioned earlier that the dad kind of has that perfect like uh pa- patriarch
0: patriarchal
1: yes that one um attitude and he's like I'm in charge and the mom also captures that perfect like like, little twinkle in her eye, kind of looking at the kids from behind the dad's back, being like, we all know who's really making the decisions here. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciated that, too.
0: <laughs> it was fun. And, uh, yeah, did you have any final thoughts on the little vampire before we wrap it up? So, I I know we didn't mention it, but I, I just discovered...
1: Well, I knew... For- when i was younger too but it is based off of a book series and apparently they made a tv series that's i believe german in the 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 80s like the late 80s and the pictures on imdb look crazy so i think we ought to to, you know, give a little shout out to that. I feel like it has
0: to be great because it's in the 80s. I was going to say Bree is obsessed with the 80s. So I feel like an 80s TV adaptation of The Little Vampire. That just kind of ticks all my boxes, you know? It ticks your interest <laughs> in a special way. So if anybody knows if it's available to watch anywhere with English subtitles, uh, probably not. Or
1: if, if you watched it and you thought it was great, let me know. It's, uh, yep, yeah, I'm reading now, it's a 13-part television series based off of The Little Vampire, um, which was by Angela Sommer Bodenberg. I haven't read the book either, or the books, but I really want to. But if you have a young kid in your life who you think should see a delightful family movie, I think that you should watch this movie with them. Because it really has it all. It's got vampire cows. It's got possibly swinging parents it's got a very wholesome friendship between two little boys and i did tear up watching this movie again just seeing tony be so happy to have made a friend so i feel like we also kind of all those weirdos that love vampires we had that moment where we didn't have a lot of friends growing up so we cherish the ones we have now and it's sweet to see
0: it is a very very sweet movie I would say even if you don't have a kid in your life, you should still watch it because I, a childless woman in her late 20s, enjoyed the crap out of it. It was so wonderful. Like, like I said, delightful is the only word that I can think of to describe it. It's silly. It's fun. It's wholesome. It's cute. Do yourself a favor. It's a treat.
1: And it has all of the elements that every movie has. You know, it's not a very dumbed down little kid movie. Like it, it, it holds up. I think you should watch it. I think everyone should watch it.
0: Also, if you like British character actors, it has Richard E. Grant and Jim Carter. So another selling point for you. I feel like everyone has to see Jim Carter in this movie. I know he he's good. He's a great villain. And I would say they made his teeth really gross because I think that's another like kid villain thing. All of the kid movie villains have nasty teeth if he didn't have the nasty teeth i would i would venture to say he's kind of hot in this movie The the look was kind of doing it for me besides the messed up teeth i could see that
1: except for the fact that he was a vampire hunter
0: therefore <laughs> all of my attraction true goes out the window true true this is just character aside this is just the aesthetic of the outfit. yeah the vibe is there the vibe is there <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm telling you, this is where my my vampire sympathy started. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think rookery calls Tony uh that a vampire sympathizer at one point.
1: <laughs> Were you like, yeah, that's me. That's what I am. Yeah, we need we need t-shirts
0: that say vampire, vampire sympathizer. sympathizer. <laughs> <laughs> We've had several fantastic ideas for uh, fan club merch. So we will get some stickers made at some point. We've had a few great ideas. I think Vampire Sympathizer might be going on the list of stickers we need to make. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode. We had a lot of fun with it. I hope did you get to to talk enough about how much you love this film? Because when I but when we started recording, I was like, I just want this episode to be Brie talking about how much she loves this movie so did you get everything out
1: yeah yeah i think i got everything out i got most of everything i got everything that i can like put into words out because you know most of my feelings are just like i just want to hug everything that this movie is
0: (laughs) i like that that's a very sweet way of putting it so thanks for joining us uh we hope you enjoyed this episode we wanted to have Uh, a little feel-good episode before we take our christmas break we didn't want to end the year on anything uh too gnarly so (laughs) we couldn't think of it we wanted it to be positive yeah we couldn't think of a christmas vampire movie so then brie thought of this movie and i was like that's perfect
1: if you don't have any movies to watch for christmas watch the little vampire (laughs)
0: yeah i would say yeah it's got that that wholesome vibe even if it's not necessarily holiday themed per se yeah so if you aren't already make sure to follow us on instagram at fang club pod or on twitter as well at fang club pod we also have an email it's fang pod at gmail.com uh we host schedules and updates and occasionally memes and jokes so it's a great way to keep up with us and we have some really fun stuff planned for 2022 we are not anywhere near giving up on this podcast we have so much more to do so uh join us in the new year we have a lot of fun stuff coming up
1: and we're not giving anything away you have to wait
0: follow us on instagram and we'll 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 uh maybe some teasers will be dropped there yeah that's where we post our announcements so if you want to know what's coming up instagram and twitter are where to find it
1: thanks for watching and happy holidays to everyone yeah happy
0: holidays see you next year